Welcome to the Psych Central Show, where each episode presents an in-depth look at issues from the fields of psychology and mental health. With your host, Gabe Howard, and featuring Vincent M. Wales. Welcome to this week's episode of the Psych Central Show podcast. My name is Gabe Howard, and with me, as always, is Vincent M. Wales. What do you want to talk about this week? Since you asked so politely, I think I'd like to talk about something a little bit awkward and socially embarrassing. How about that? All right. What do you got in mind? (laughs) Well, one of the aspects of the manic side of, of bipolar is hypersexuality. And that's not something that you often hear about. I agree. Hypersexuality is, one, not only is it often ignored, but when it is discussed, it's it's discussed in, incorrectly. Uh, right. Com- completely romanticized, uh, almost looked upon yeah. as a favorable trait rather sure. than the, the horror show that it actually is. Yeah. Before we get into the horror show part of it, let's just, let's be blunt and say exactly why this is not something that people talk about. And that, of course, is because we live in a society that has sex everywhere, in our advertising, in our sitcoms, in in everything, and yet we have these puritanical views of sex being bad. That's kind of messed up, don't you think? That that sounds like almost a topic for another show. I I think we could hit up the the psychology part and discuss why people think this way. But but yeah, I think you've hit the nail on the head. We're okay with seeing sexual images, seeing sex portrayed in the media, but when it comes Mm -hmm. to specifically talking about it with our our family, our friends, educating young folks, etc., we we take a very different view considering how much sex has permeated our culture. Yeah, and we have a society where people complain about teenage pregnancies and everything, but oh no, you're not going to teach sex ed in my schools. That's just <laughs> that's just not acceptable. Exactly. So it's it's not exactly hard to see why people think that hypersexuality is something that it's not. Right. People often, when they hear that I have experienced hypersexuality, they have like this cool, like oh that's cool. That's was mm-hmm. that awesome? Was it? And I'm, I'm here to tell you, no, no, not, okay, not so, even a little bit. Right. So people have this warped view of, of what it is. Let's talk very quickly about what it actually is from, from a medical perspective. Basically, hypersexuality is defined as a dysfunctional preoccupation with sexual fantasy. And it's often combined with, you know, an obsessive pursuit of casual slash non-intimate sex or pornography, or compulsive masturbation, yada, yada, yada. And this goes on for quite some time, for, you know, at least half a year or more. Does that sound about right to you? Yeah, the one thing, one, of course it's right, it's in a medical book, but two, hypersexuality is not having a lot of sex. I want to be very, very clear. If, if you and, and your, your partner have a lot of sex over the weekend, you are not hypersexual. The specific component is you have to be driven, uh, addicted, mm-hmm. you have to have sex at all costs. The The right word is on the tip of my tongue here, but it's... Compulsion. Yes, it is an absolute compulsion. You can think about nothing other than that. You can, you can put your tongue back in now. <laughs> Thank you so much. <laughs> so let's, let's talk then about 
what it is from a personal perspective. You, you've, you've stated very clearly that it is not this happy thing, that it's a compulsion, that it's a, an obsession. So let's, let's, let's go into it. How did you first discover, how did this first manifest in you, I guess is how I would have put it. Well, it, then it first manifested as me having a lot of sex. <laughs> oh, but you just said it wasn't about having a lot of sex. Right. And it's it's taking unnecessary risks to have sex. And the the first thing that I want to clear up is sex comes in all shapes and sizes. We, we have this idea again, and I think this is where it gets romanticized that, you know, young Gabe, who was studly, just went out to the bar and picked up lots of women and had, you, you know, fulfilling and happy sex. And it was it was just it was fun. But it, it wasn't like that at all. Hypersexuality can come out from sitting in front of your computer for 12 hours and masturbating 10 times and it's painful and it's it's sore and it's not pleasurable. I, I need to really specifically hit on the it lacks a pleasure component. And so people are going to say, well, then why on earth would you do it? Why j just stop for Pete's sake? And that's where it becomes a problem because you have to. You have mm -hmm. to. It's we'll, we'll use the example of the person that has to lock and unlock their door 20 times um, sure. because of obsessive compulsive disorder. And you say, well, why don't you just double check to make sure your door is locked right the first time and then you won't have to do it the next 19 times. See, it doesn't work that way. Uh, in the case of hypersexuality, too, there, there is a partner component. You are involving other people. And those people might not be the best people to choose as it, as partners, whether it's hiring sex workers, taking unnecessary risks with strangers in in, in bars, uh, what's that phrase? Nothing good ever happens after midnight. Yeah, yeah, nothing does. Uh, it Santa can... comes after me. <laughs> I, I again, it's the number of people that that hear this part of my story and they think, oh wow, you had sex with lots of people. That's awesome. You're you're a player. Yeah, I'm 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 none of those things. I. I'm a guy that took something good and pleasurable, sexual activity, and turned it into something that was painful and awful, uh, an addiction, a compulsion, and it ruined it for me. And it could have resulted, I, I, I want to state unequivocally that it didn't result in an unplanned pregnancy, and I, I don't have any STDs, but it could have. I mean, are, are we really going to assume that every single manic hypersexual person that's been up for four days is is making good choices when it comes to sexual health. I, I like to think that I was. Maybe I did. Maybe I got lucky. And that scares me. The fact that I cannot unequivocally state that I had safe sex continuously is disturbing to me. Right. So how do you how do you deal with it? Well, the first thing is, is you have to understand that it's happening. And I will say this was even when I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder, nobody asked me about this. Nobody said, hey, Gabe, are you experiencing hypersexuality? Have you noticed that you're having more sex lately? Are you hiring sex workers or chronically masturbating? Th this was not said. I'm not trying to throw medical people under the bus. I'm not trying to do that. But nobody explained that this was a symptom. I, I just thought I was young. Uh <laughs> I, I mean, again, because we don't talk about sex in our society, I could only go by what was happening on television. And one of the things that's happening in pop culture is people are having a lot of sex. So in this yeah. way, I, I actually kind of thought this was one of the more normal things about me. I, I'm, I'm a young man that is engaging in a lot of sex. I mean, after all, I've, I've seen TV. That's perfectly sure. normal. 
So when did you realize it wasn't normal? When it when it started to hurt, I, I spent a lot of money on sex workers, thousands, tens of thousands, heck, maybe maybe more. I don't know. You don't run an accounting on these things, and I I bribed people to stay with me with you know drugs and alcohol and and pain for things, and people took advantage of that, and it, as I probably would have too. And I woke up in strange places around strange people, having not known what happened the night before, but with a pretty good idea. And the first thing that I started to think wasn't wasn't that there was a problem with sex, but there was a problem with my behavior. Who buys all these drugs? Who spends this kind of money? So the mania was addressed first. And then I realized as I started to address the mania and I, as I started to get treatment for bipolar disorder, the hypersexuality started to tone down on its own. And when I noticed this change in my sex drive, I was like, well, wait a minute, why, why is this happening? Uh, then I finally asked somebody, I started to do a little research and it was plain as day. Yeah, that's unfortunate that the medical professionals that you dealt with prior to that didn't bring it up. And again, do you think that, does that tie into the whole societal problem or is it something specific to, to doctors? I'm not really certain. It, it'd be difficult to ask because I have met doctors that that's the first question out of their mouth and their concern is that their patients are lying to them. You know, they ask young people if they are hypersexual and they immediately say, no, no, of course not. Uh, they might still be on their parents' health insurance. Uh, they might be young women who have absorbed the societal message that, that having any type of sex is bad. So there are medical professionals approaching it from the other way. Uh, where the patient is uncomfortable sharing, which of course is is the other side to why it's so hard to, you know, discover, cure, treat hypersexuality. If the doctors are willing to discuss it, patients are willing to lie about it. But uh, again, I think that if you are not openly discussing sex anywhere, mental health is somewhere. And therefore, since you're not discussing it anywhere, you're not discussing it there. I, I really think it's just that. Hadn't really thought about it that way, but you're probably right. So how did this affect your relationships? It went poorly. My compulsion to have sex was so great that I I cheated on, on my wife. And the first thing that I want to say is that's 100% on me. I'm not saying that, oh, I get a pass because of my infidelity because of hypersexuality. That's it's unfortunately my issue and it's something that I have to address, but it, it did, it, it did add an extra wrinkle on one hand, cheating is cheating is cheating. And I have to own up to that. And it certainly didn't make her feel good that, that this happened. But on the other hand, I wasn't treating bipolar disorder in any way. So a lot of the things that happened to me were a direct result of not being treated for the illness that I so clearly had. So what do I do with that? I feel bad that I put somebody that I loved through that, but I also have to forgive myself because I did have an illness that I didn't understand. Moving forward, of course, what I did is, is, is finally got treatment to make sure that didn't happen again. But I want to be clear, it happened a lot. And, and that's... That's 100% on me. It's not fair to put it on the other people. And I think that's a component that's missed a lot, that we have to take responsibility for the bad things that, that, that we did. And it, make no mistake, it was, it was bad. One of the things that I think a lot of people might, might have going through their heads right now is, all right, so you're, so you're hypersexual. Why can't you limit that to just masturbation? Why did you have to cheat on a spouse? Why did you have to hire sex workers? 
And that's where that's where I have culpability. You're absolutely right. I would say that the compulsion was so great that I had limited control, but I, I do believe that some control could be had. Now, your mileage may vary. It, it's not true for every single person, but I think that I did have other options. I could have asked somebody about this, for example. I, I could have called up a doctor and said, look, I think about sex constantly and that, that can't be normal. Uh, but I didn't. I didn't. I also stayed awake for three days and didn't think that that was abnormal. And in fairness, if I want to share the blame a little, the people around me just thought it was funny. Not the hypersexuality, but the staying up for three days. Gabe was weird. Uh, so nobody else got me help either. So I think that it's easy to spread around blame, but ultimately it impacted my life the most. And I made a bad choice. There may have been extenuating circumstances, but ultimately I made a bad choice. And one of the reasons that I want to talk about it so openly is because if there is somebody listening to this that's thinking to themselves, man, I'm really thinking about stepping outside. I'm really thinking about, you know, cheating on my my spouse, my partner, etc. Maybe they will hear this and think, you know what, I'm going to call a doctor instead. I'm going to intercede at a different point than, than they won't end up with my guilt. And I feel that has a lot of value. For people out there who might be experiencing this or who are uh, involved with somebody who's experiencing this, how can you help them? What, what can you share that would help them deal with their own hypersexuality or deal with their partner having it? The dealing with your partner having it is, is kind of a loaded question. I, it, it's, it's interesting to me. I'll use the example of wrecking your car because you were drinking and driving or wrecking your car because you had a seizure. See, if, if my significant other was driving because she was drunk and she wrecked her car, I would seriously consider ending the marriage. That That's reckless. It's dangerous for her. It's dangerous for the people around her. So it's not about wrecking the car. It's about the motivation. If she had a seizure, no harm, no foul. So on one hand, it's really easy to say, look, if you cheated on me because you're a jerk that picked up a woman at the, you know, the gym, uh, I'm leaving you because you cheated. But if you cheated on me because you had a medical condition, then I'm going to stay. Yeah, the world's not that simple. Uh, for one thing, there's no definitive test. So it's not like when the person says, oh, no, 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 I was hypersexual and that's why I cheated. You could take their blood. So there, there's all kinds of doubt. Do you, do you trust the person? I want to say if the person stepped outside truly 100% because of hypersexuality, there's a big reason to forgive them and move on because with treatment, they are unlikely to do it again. However, it, it's not always that easy. You know, hypersexuality, like most things, exists on a spectrum. There's a little bit of hypersexuality and then there's, there's full-blown hypersexuality. Where was your loved one when they stepped outside? And that's tough. However, if you are the person experiencing hypersexuality, then you know. You know the answer to that question. And I would implore you to speak to a medical professional, uh, whether it be your therapist, whether it be a psychiatrist, whether it be your general practitioner, because if your compulsion to do this is so great that you can't stop, you are going to do irreparable harm to yourself and potentially others. And if you can head that off with a phone call and an uncomfortable conversation, that's a really, really good idea. I wish to God somebody would have had this conversation with me 20 years ago. Well, I know that we are getting close to being out of time. What's left to say? What else do you want to put out there? I think there's a lot to say on the subject of how we discuss sex, sexuality, and things of that nature in public. Oh, and, certainly. And I think that, that hypersexuality is one of those things that, that does get 
you know, sort of swept up in all of this. But I, I really want to say that it, it's there, there's a male part of me, a, a strong male part of me that, you know, when I give the number of people that I've had sex with to somebody and they're like, oh, wow, dude, that's that's awesome. You've wow, you must be studly. There, there is a part of me still, even to this day, that, you know, feels like a sense of pride, which is kind of stupid. And I don't know why I feel that way. I, I can blame my gender. I can blame societal conditioning. But it's always struck me as odd that the amount of sex that I've had would would mean anything other than this is the amount of sex I've had. I don't take great pride in how much milk I drank, but, but for some reason this is different. And I think that we have to get over that. We have to push past that and ask ourselves a very important question. Are we having safe and healthy sex? And if you can't answer yes to that instantly, you might want to look internally and ask yourself why. Is it a compulsion? Is it an addiction? Are you hurting people to do it? Are you hurting yourself? Where is the end? Sex is not inherently bad. I love having sex. And I think many, many, many people do. It's, it's, it's why it's in all of our media. But if you're abusing it, then you're going to take something that is very good and turn it into something very bad very quickly. Just like any other addiction. Exactly like any other addiction. And that really is a good way to look at it. You, you know, you have a sip of wine with dinner, you're fine. If you drink a 12-pack within a half an hour of waking up, 12-pack of beer, then you're not fine. And, and that's kind of how it is. I, I wish that I had a more definitive thing to say except, hey, it may be uncomfortable to talk about sex with the people around you, with medical personnel, etc., but do it. And, and don't be embarrassed about it. That, that's really the final thing that I can say on that. Well, that's excellent advice. Thank you. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this week's episode of the Psych Central Show. Vin, you did an excellent job interviewing me. I really, really appreciate it. So big round of applause. <laughs> no problem, man. <laughs> All right. Subscribe to us on iTunes. Like psychcentral.com on Facebook. Share us everywhere, and we will see you next week. PsychCentral.com is the Internet's oldest and largest independent mental health website. Psych Central is overseen by Dr. John Grohall, a mental health expert and one of the pioneering leaders in online mental health. Our host, Gabe Howard, is a professional speaker, award-winning writer, and mental health advocate. You can find more information on Gabe and his work at GabeHoward.com. Vincent M. Wales is an award-winning speculative fiction novelist and suicide prevention crisis counselor. You can find more information on Vincent at vincentmwales.com. If you have feedback about the show, please email talkback at psychcentral.com. There are few words more misunderstood and misused than OCD. Imagine having unwanted thoughts stuck in your head all day no matter how hard you try to make them go away, and then having to pretend that everything is okay despite having to feel crippled inside. That's OCD. 1 in 40 people suffer from it globally, but there's hope. If you have OCD and need help, you can get better with specialized treatment. NoCD offers effective, affordable, and convenient treatment for OCD and is covered by many major insurance plans. Go to NoCD.com to learn more. That's NoCD.com.